Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Josiah with Josiah's Voice Podcast. I've made something of a nerd compilation episode made up of uh, sound bites of friends who contributed different music, different books, and so forth that they were reading for past episodes. You'll remember the um, quarantine music episode, music getting you through quarantine, TV shows getting you through quarantine. You'll also remember the episode, one of my favorites, what's one book you'd like to reread with fresh eyes for the first time. This episode is a compilation of uh, extra sound bites that weren't able to make it into those three past episodes in season one. If I had to give them categories, it's favorite manga and comic books slash graphic novels, relive one movie for the first time, uh, more quarantine music recommendations, and uh, more show and movie recommendations in quarantine. Be warned, there are spoilers in this episode. Everyone was just so excited. There aren't spoilers for everything, but I couldn't I couldn't get rid of anything or, or chop it up just so. So be forewarned, there are spoilers in this episode. You can check out all of these, um, especially the, the books and the comics. You can find all of them linked in the blog with the show notes. That's Josiah's Voice podcast.wordpress.com but I finally launched a podcast specific or a show uh, Instagram and Twitter but you can follow the podcast at Josiah's Voice Pod on Instagram and Twitter that's it at Josiah's Voice Pod just to see uh, updates polls and other extras uh for uh, upcoming episodes, past episodes, questions for uh, upcoming seasons, and uh, also a little bit still of what I'm reading and watching. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy uh, this uh, nerd compilation. Let's get into it. Hey, what's good, y'all? This is Namdi Odazu, and I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, And I'm here to take this time to talk about some albums that have been keeping me sane and uh, motivated during these difficult times. Uh, I want to take this time to shout out two albums, both by black women. Uh, The first being uh, Danae Moore's Modern Dread. Danae Moore is a singer-songwriter from the UK. Uh, I actually found out about Danae Moore just recently by way of Haley Williams. Haley Williams uh, shouted her out on one of her social media feeds, I, I can't remember if it, if it was uh, Twitter or Instagram, but yeah, I, I caught her uh, highlighting her latest album, Modern Dread. And, um, you know, with me loving her recent album, Petals for Armor, which is an amazing album that you need to check out. Um, I had to check out uh, Danae Moore. I had to take her word for it. And uh, I was blown away by what I heard. Uh, very smart, very heady indie pop 
coming from her. Uh, the album really plays like a mol- like a melting pot of different sounds and genres and influences. Um, she actually has like a playlist on her Spotify page that lists the different uh, sounds and songs that influence the album that I highly recommend that you also check out after you're done listening to the album. Um, but yeah, uh, Modern Dread, uh, aptly named uh, due to, you know, gestures at everything that's been happening in 2020. Uh, <laughs> very appropriate title. Um, the album itself deals with a lot of themes uh concerning existentialism uh fears insecurities and it sees uh Danae sort of wrestling with those different feelings to uh get to some semblance of clarity or um some type of silver lining to make sense of these difficult uncertain times that we live in today um it's a very cathartic listen and one that really uh, spoke to me uh, in particular and, you know, speaks to the times that we live in today. So definitely check that one out for sure. Danae Moore's Modern Dread. Hi, my name is Tiffany Silver Tucker, and I am going to talk about one of my favorite comic books. Right now, I'm actually reading a comic book series. It is indeed one of my favorite books. It's called Deadly Class. The book series is very dark and gritty. I really do enjoy reading stories based on assassins. When it is done correctly, you get to see why a person, why a protagonist, an antagonist chooses the life of an assassin. With Deadly Class, I love, love, love its nostalgic vibe, which is set in the 1980s. Like the grittiness of the theme you can see visually on the page and it's set during the Reagan administration. So that's another thing that piqued my interest. I love politics and the undertone of it is very political. The main character whose name is Marcus is an orphan kid living on the streets. He's homeless and through his narration, you can actually empathize with him because he was dealt a bad hand when he witnessed his parents murdered in front of him when he was like six. When he's speaking about the world in which he lives in, his narration gives off this this darkness that's inside of him. And you really feel sorry for him because he's a loner and he has no direction, no family. I was kind of excited in a weird way when he was presented with an opportunity to attend a school of assassins. The school is called King's Dominion. And so this school of assassins basically houses the kids of mass murderer and mob bosses. And I, I know, I know, I know that is very violent and dark, but when you really dive into the characters, which Rick Remender, the author, does a great job with character development. You get to see that, yes, these kids are training to be assassins, but deep down underneath, they're just like any other teenager. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking to be the best and to be the top of their class. They are looking to honor their family's legacy, to please their parents, and they just want to feel like they belong. That attracts me to the story. So sometimes, you know, I can forgive the amount of 
killing and blood that you see throughout the pages because I can empathize and relate to just wanting to be accepted, you know, as a teenager and wanting to be involved and, you know, not an outsider, an outcast. So it's a really moving story and the artwork and the detail is just wonderful. Like you're reading a movie and you can see the movie play out on the pages. The characters, the way they're shaped, the clothes, really connects with their personality. And in summary, I would definitely recommend this series. It's not the traditional superhero comic book. I want to also read stories that I can relate to in a sense when it comes to character breakdowns and, and development. Deadly Class by Rick Remender. I definitely recommend it. Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia. My favorite graphic novel has to be The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, written in 1986. Older Bruce Wayne, who comes out of retirement in the wake of a massive surgence in a gang called the Mutants, it really comes out when his alter ego basically taunts him back into getting back out on the streets. And the whole premise of this whole series is a old man fighting on a young man's turf, which originally used to be his. And at the end of the story, he ends up taking on the mutant leader and showing him what that old man can really do basically showing not just him, but the rest of Gotham, that even though it is uh, their world, it's still his turf, if uh, that makes any sense. Why this is my favorite is basically what I had just said before. He has been out of uh, the loop for a while. He kind of emits this underdog uh, in the fight, and uh, everybody loves a good underdog, of course, but... Um, it kind of also speaks to the, the mental aspect of all of this. I said before about his alter ego taunting him. And we read about Two-Face in the book, even after rehabilitation. Harvey Dent's alter ego, that is, uh, still taunts him after uh, surgery and rehabilitation. Uh, so there's this moment where you're listening to him speak, both of them uh, interacting and uh, him speaking to Batman, uh, saying how he can't seem to get that voice out of his head. And it's almost like Batman was being directed to himself. There's a lot more to it and it's a very great read and I highly recommend it. Hello everyone, my name is Rachel Roth. I'm from Los Angeles, California. And one of my favorite graphic novels is called Ayashi no Seres. This story is about Aya and her twin brother Aki who go to a fortune teller the day before their 16th birthday who tells them that their lives are going to change forever and they only have doom and gloom to basically uh, have befallen upon their lives. And it's up to Aya to basically save everyone and everything. So what happens is, is on her, on their 16th birthday, they go to their grandfather's house. Although they ultimately had plans with their friends, their parents are very adamant of, no, you can't miss this. So they go to the grandparents' house 
and or their grandfather's house, I should say. He's the patriarch of the family. And they are presented with a mummified hand. And immediately what happens is um, Aki gets all of these scars across his body. He just breaks out in blood. And Aya turns into somebody completely different. And having been shown these transformations, the family realizes that they're the closest genetic, they have the closest uh, genes related to past ancestors. So Aya is reincarnated from an angel that had fallen to earth and had lost her her oregano, oregomo, uh, which is like her ancestral robes, uh, or our, not ancestral robes, but our robes that allowed her to go back to heaven. And her husband stole those from her and hid them so she couldn't return back to heaven. And Aki is the reincarnation of the angel's husband. The angel is named Sarah's, hence the Ayashino Sarah's. And uh, Aki is the reincarnation of her husband who went power crazy. In the story, there's lots of sci-fi, blood, gore, fighting, romance, sex. It honestly has it all. And my favorite character personally is Aya's love interest, Toya, because he doesn't know who he is. He basically has amnesia through most of the books until the very end. And he winds up having to discover who he is. And the only thing he knows is that Aya Mikage is the one that has, he has any certainty of. Um, He vaguely remembers her and the name Mikage. So he has ties. He starts working for the family and then sees Aya for the first time. And something in him is like, oh, I need to protect this girl or I've met her before or something. And it's interesting watching his story arc because the whole time he's trying to discover who he is, but there's multiple layers of what happens to him. And I don't want to give too much away, but um, the story is really well written. It's completely engaging. You meet a lot of other characters who help and sacrifice themselves for Aya And even Aya has a development throughout the stories. She starts off as this ditzy blonde and then works her way up to be this strong, uh, nurturing character who's willing to do anything to save her friends and family. Although at this point, her friends are her family. And you learn more about the dynamic as well. Um, She winds up losing friends and she winds up having to make her own sacrifices in order to save the rest of her family. I would highly recommend the the series. Uh, It's a manga for those who don't know. And it's about 14 books. It was one of the very first mangas that I really enjoyed and thoroughly liked. And I'm also a sucker for romance sci-fi. So it has all that encompassed into it. Uh, It's just a thoroughly enjoyable book. There's twists and turns and things that you don't believe when you're reading it. And then they do happen and you're like, no, I should have seen that. And it's totally like over your head kind of thing before that. So, um, but I highly recommend the read. It's a great series. I've reread it, I think, three times. Um, The characterization. Oh, and I have to mention the art. Of course, I have to mention the art. The art is really gorgeous. It's very late 90s, early 2000s kind of art with like an 80s reminisce to it. And uh, I always thought it was really lovely, um, particularly for, uh, for manga. It has, you know, the over-characterized uh, goofiness, but at the same time when it's serious, it's incredibly gorgeous. So it's funny when it's like a particular moment, but it's gorgeous otherwise when all the moments are serious and whatnot. And I love how in some of the uh, frames too, they're silhouetted. 
so you don't actually see them, which gives more of an emotional impact on that particular panel. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy Yashino Sarah's and give it a chance to read. Thank you so much. And again, this is Rachel Roth signing off. Hello, everyone. My name is Kamar, and my favorite manga series is One Piece. One Piece is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Ichiro Oda. It's been serialized in Shonen Jump magazine since July 1997. That's 23 years now. To date, it has 97 published volumes, and as of last Friday, Chapter 987 came out. Back in 2015, it even won a Guinness World Record for most copies published by a single author of a manga series. Same year, it also set another record and sold 320 million copies in one year, and that was back when there were 77 volumes. In 2019, they sold more than 460 million copies worldwide. The manga is also in print over 42 countries across the world. That's in more that's in more countries than any other manga series ever. It's also the highest grossing manga series of all time. One Piece has been the most popular and financially successful manga in the Japanese market. It's one of the highest grossing Japanese media franchises of all time, estimating over 21 billion in revenue from its manga, anime, films, games, applications, and merchandise, etc. And it's the best-selling. It was the best-selling manga for 11 years straight, but it lost last year to Demon Slayer at the last minute. No, about the story of One Piece. One Piece is about a boy named Monkey D. Luffy in his quest to find a legendary One Piece treasure and become the king of the pirates. Luffy ate the gum gum fruit, and now he's a rubber man. On this journey, he made a, he meets his unique crew members. Um, his first crew member is Zoro. He's a sword man, so that's his first mate. Then there's Nami, his navigator, slash cat thief. Then there's Usopp, the sharpshooters, slash liar, slash comical relief character. Then there's Sanji, the womanizing chef. Chopper, the doctor, slash anthropomorphic reindeer. Robin, their archaeologist. Frankie, their cyborg shipwright. Brooke, their skeleton musician. And Jinbei, their fishman helmsman, slash former warlord of the sea. They fight enemy pirates, the navy, the world government, and even God at some point. There's three types of devil fruit. Luffy, which I'm, who I mentioned earlier, he had a paramecia type, which gives its users like superhuman powers. Um, characters like him and Buggy, those are good examples of like paramecia type fruits. Then there's Zoan, Zoan fruits, which gives, gives its users like animal abilities. So characters such as Dalton and Rob Lucci are good examples of those. And finally, there's like the legendary or god-tier Logia fruit, which gives its users the powers of nature. So characters such as Ace, Crocodile, and Enero are good examples of people who, who've eaten those fruits. To help balance the scale of like this power struggle, Odo made this thing called it's called hockey. And it's like this latent ability that any human has. And um, there's three different types of hockey, just like there's three different types of devil fruit. So there's first there's arms hockey, which coats the body in like invisible armor and gives you the ability to like touch like double fruit users who are intangible, so those Logia users who seem like they're god tier. Then there's observation hockey, which lets you perceive the presence of other beings around you, and if you have strong enough observation hockey, you can even see into the future. And finally, there's a super rare conquerors hockey, or also the supreme king hockey, which it is which renders it it's a, which renders like weak will individuals like unconscious, and it also can be used to control animals. Since its series started, um, there's been over 14 movies, there's been over 30 specials, there's a, there's a theme park, but just closed down literally last month, it's called the One Piece Tower, it was opened, opened, it opened back in 2015, so it's been five years, sadly it went away, 
There was still a restaurant called the Barati from from Ark and East Blue. It opened in 2013. There's been over 40 video games. There's been several art books, color books, and guidebooks. There's a trading card game. There's over 20 different applications. There's um, several col- collaborations with big brands such as Hello Kitty, Funko Pop, Coca-Cola, and Nissan Cup Noodles. There's over hundreds of anime figures. And there's even a live live action series in production starting at, starting at the end of the month coming to Netflix next year. What I love about One Piece. Um, pretty much love everything. I love the humor, the action, the stories, the friendships, the characters, and the adventure. It's such a good, like, fun adventure. I highly recommend it. Um, the manga is absolutely great, but the anime gets a bad rap. <laughs> and it gets a rap rap because the pacing is bad. And the pacing is bad because they don't want the anime to catch up to the manga. Because if the anime ever catches up to the manga, then, then they're going to have to either stop production or they're going to have to make a bunch of, like, you know, filler stories while they're waiting for new manga content. So that's the reason why, like, the anime has bad pacing. But other than that, basically One Piece is one of the biggest anime slash manga series in the world. It's setting records. It's been around for a long time it's it's going to be wrapping up in the next five to six years so i suggest you like start reading watching do whatever just start taking in one piece content as soon as possible so you can be there and enjoy the ride at the end and uh yeah i love one piece hi my name is daniel johnson i'm from maryland and the show i'm currently watching is called the bold type on Hulu. It has four seasons and I'm in season three right now. Um, The bold type is about three women who work for this high fashion magazine. They're best friends and it's just a look at um, how they work together and do life together. One is a writer, one is a social media director, And the other one is an assistant. They topics like racism, um, your sexuality, workplace drama, and, you know, mental health, health in general. Um, They show you, like, all the the behind-the-scenes, you know, things that they have to deal with, um, with working for a big company. So overall, it's a good show. I really, really like it because I'm into fashion. So if you're into fashion, you'll like it. If you are um, looking for a good show to watch with your bestie, you would like it. I'm getting really interested in their love lives because they started out all single and now they all have love interests so it's getting interesting how they are in their love lives and um talking about their past experiences with um relationships and different things like that and and they're also um getting more detailed with the backstory of each woman um as far as how they were raised who's a part of their family, uh, things like that. So overall, I have no complaints. It's a really good show. The other show I'm watching is Dynasty. They have three seasons. It's on Netflix. Um, I love Dynasty because 
as um I said earlier uh of the i I love the fashion in it, each character, especially one of the characters, dresses very well, and I love their style um I love the overall like power couple family dynamic it's about um basically this family who started their own company and became very wealthy and how they um run their company they it's like a nighttime drama so there is a lot of drama uh, a lot of like backstabbing each other um any you know what you would see in any kind of soap opera it's kind of that feel but um overall it's a good show it's very well written there are some exaggerated uh events that take place but um overall it's a it's a really great um show i've seen all three seasons and it is currently coming um back on for a fifth season i think this fall marcus here again and a movie that I would go back in time to relive the experience of seeing. Oh man, there's a lot of movies um, that I wish I could relive seeing for the first time, but the one movie is also my favorite movie of all time, The Matrix. No movie to this day in all of my over 25 years of watching movies and being able to comprehend movies, no movie has ever affected me as profoundly as The Matrix did. I remember seeing that movie in theaters, I believe it was the first day, and having my young mind entirely blown by the experience. Um, Just so much about that movie. At the time, it was amazing to see just everything that was going on on the screen with the the wire foo and and the, the special effects. And just as a kid with a big imagination, having a movie ignite that part of my brain like that and and, and feed it was really special. And, you know, since that day and rewatching that movie, there's more and more to appreciate. But there was just something about that first time viewing it that I'll never get back and will never be able to replicate. I mean, even one moment that to this day still stands at the top of my movie moments of all time where at the end of the movie where Neo comes back to life and the agents try to shoot him again and he stops the bullet but he doesn't stop the bullet by using his hand or anything he just tells the bullet no and it stops on a dime and then it falls this man told an inanimate object no and it listened to him that still blows my mind. So you can imagine what it did to me when I was a kid. So yeah, if there was one movie that I would go back in time to re-experience that first viewing, it'd be The Matrix. And that's it, you guys. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. 
Um, like I said, these were just fun um, bonus sound bites. Um, I wasn't able to fit everyone's recommendations in past episodes, so I thought it'd be fun to uh, just release this fun bonus episode here. Um, most of everyone's suggestions and favorite things I was familiar with. Um, just a couple I, I wasn't. I wasn't familiar with Rachel's um, manga uh, I, Ayashi no Seresu. I hope I said that right. Ser- also known as Seresu celestial legend in english and uh what was the other one the bold type i hadn't heard of that's a a a hulu show i had heard of dynasty uh on the cw um i do i i watch the cw you know black lightning arrow and whatnot um all american and uh my mom um she got a kick out of hearing about dynasty on the cw seeing like a you know a commercial or something because i i it, it's a reboot if in case you didn't know um of an old show called dynasty um and she remembered watching it years ago and so i thought that was kind of cool um and cool that um danielle referenced those um danielle is a, a serious fashionista and has great style so it makes perfect sense danielle that you'd be watching those shows um dynasty and the bold type so that's cool uh tiffany um got me watching deadly class uh, i remember it was a little bit tough for me to get into it in the beginning um i think it was hard for me to connect with the characters at first it's a rich ensemble cast and i don't know so sometimes you gra- gravitate toward a cast faster than than others on other shows no big deal um of course i like the the headmaster Ah, Benedict Wong from um, Doctor Strange with a uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> but uh, but when I connected with Deadly Class and the characters, I connected, and then it got canceled by Sci-Fi, which really really sucked. Um, I really the 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 characters, the world, the costume, de- like everything. I, I really remember liking the costume design and the stunts and the sets. Um, but the show overall really started to grow on me, and I was happy for Sci-Fi. Because um, unless it's just me, you know, different strokes are different folks. Back in the day, um, let me know if you agree. For a while, it seemed like sci-fi was kind of struggling back back in the day with their programming. You know, it happens with different networks. And then I don't know uh, off top of my head when it just seemed like sci-fi really just started taking off. I don't know. Their shows, their movies just started getting better and better. And they really started to, to uh, catch their footing. They really have their footing uh, now and they they really kind of have an an identity of just you know a, a lot of hard hitting um you know adult uh, uh programs genre shows definitely kind of like edgier 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 CW you know for genre content and I remembered you know liking the show and uh, uh and Tiffany and I would talk about it and it was cool and we'd talk about Rick Remendier. She had already read the graphic novel. Um, I still need to read it. I'll see if I can find it on Libby app. Dead- Deadly Class was was cool while while it lasted. So I do look forward to uh, picking up the comic. We'll always have the comic, which I think is still ongoing. So that's great. The Dark Knight Rises is a uh, is a classic. Um, I do own the Dark Knight. Uh, excuse me, the Dark Knight Returns. My bad. Um, by Frank Miller, um, Matt's recommendation. Um, in fact, I was uh, kind of browsing through it recently, and I uh, think I'll reread it. Um, it's just uh, initially it was a little tough for me to get into that book, mostly from a visual standpoint. There are a lot of panels. Um, it's kind of like Watchmen on steroids because Watchmen has like what 
nine, 18, 27 panels, if I remember right, like per page, like per every other page. Um, I get the number nine is kind of like an important number and uh, down to, to structure and theme and things in that book. And there are a lot of squares, a lot of panels in The Dark Knight Returns. But it's a it's a fun comic. It's a cool, you know, else sort of Elseworlds what if type type deal. Um, I'm trying to remember because I believe Frank Miller wrote Batman Year One, which um, I'm actually about to reread also. Um, I believe he did that as well. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think The Dark Knight Returns. I think The Dark Knight Returns is something of a sequel or something like that, maybe. I don't know. Um, the Dark Knight Strikes Back, um, I remember reading that, uh, but I haven't read The Dark Knight, uh, The Master Race. Uh, that came out a couple of years ago. So now it's uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, Nolan's got one, and Frank Miller's got one. So so that's cool. So thank you for that, Matt. And yes, thank you, Rachel. And uh, thank you, Tiffany, for your recommendations, of course. Thank you, Kamar, for uh, One Piece. Um, Kamar is always sharing about One Piece on Instagram. If you follow him, um, he's always talking about One Piece. He, lo- he It's no joke. He loves that book. Um, I think he's even done some art pieces uh, dedicated to it as well. I remember first hearing about One Piece on, I think, was it Still Fox Kids or the Fox Box or something like that in like the early 2000s? And I, already just, I just remember seeing like after Ultimate Muscle, if you remember that cartoon, uh, some trailers for, for One Piece. I never watched it, but I do vaguely remember it. So thank you, Kamar. Thank you, Namdi, for kicking things off with uh, Danae Moore's Modern Dread. That was a, that's a really cool album. Um, I wasn't familiar with her, so thank you for plugging that. Um, I'll also check out Haley Williams' uh, Pedals for Armor. I guess I've been living under a rock. I enjoyed Paramore back in the day. Uh, I think they're still active. I didn't even know Haley Williams released a solo album. I'm so late. Um, the last album I think I heard from Paramore was at, was uh, After Laughter. But um, back to Danae Moore. Fake Sorry. There are a lot of songs on Modern Dread that I really, really enjoyed. But Fake Sorry. Yeah, that one really, really, really stood out. So thank you, Namdi, for that. I'll also check out... Um, the Modern Dread Influences playlist that you said that she put together. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing uh, more of her music and where her career goes from there. So thanks for that, man. Again, uh, I hadn't read your manga, Rachel, but thank you for, for sharing that. You sounded really, really excited about it. And last but not least, Marcus, thank you. Um, yeah, The Matrix is is a classic. Um, unfortunately, guys, I did not see The Matrix in theaters. Um, I totally missed that. Um, I mean, I would have had to see it with my parents also, as as Marcus did. Um, I think, Marcus, yeah, you said you watched it with your dad in theaters, which that was really cool. My family just just missed it. So, um, But yeah, The Matrix is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I have the, um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's uh, this huge book with the screenplay to the movie in it, with all of the the artwork by, I believe, Frank Darrow did all of the, um, well, all of the sketches. Um, another artist, I believe, did all of the, the, the paintings and rendering of the paintings, concept art for the movie. But there's a lot of, I believe it's Frank Darrow uh, illustrations uh, to conceptualize the movie. I can't remember what the name of the book is called. Um, you know what? I'll go ahead and add that on josiahsvoice.wordpress.com as well, in case you're interested, because it's a really cool book. And I love 
cinema books with the illustrations, with the script and the script notes and the commentary from the director and the actors. Um, a lot of imagination went into the Matrix. And I remember being blown away by that moment, Marcus, like you said, when Neo stopped the bullet with but a word, <laughs> a single word. Um, and the, the Kung Fu, the philosophy, the the wire Fu, um, the characters and just uh, the intrigue. A lot of the movie that I remember is um, you just kind of have to trust the movie and trust what you're seeing. They don't really, they explain things, but they're very strategic with when they do it and how they deliver exposition. And it's, and it's great. And it's just, the matrix is a classic. Uh, uh, and, and I love it. And thank you, buddy. Thank you, best friend for, uh, for taking me back down memory lane with just remembering, you know, what it was like to, to watch the matrix for the first time theater or VHS. Uh, it'll still make you go. Whoa. So that's it, guys, for this episode. Um, if you want to hear Namdi's other music recommendations, check out uh, Quarantine Music, episode 10 of season one. That's the, the, uh, the season finale of uh, season one, episode 10, Quarantine Music. And uh, if you wanted to hear uh, Danielle had another TV show recommendation, um, check out season one, episode eight. TV shows and movies getting you through quarantine. Um, Danielle was watching a lot and she shared a lot. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, my friend's sound bites. It's just uh, it's always cool to, to hear from people and to just kind of engage with people about pop culture. Um, again, you can find um, my friends, the contributors. You can follow them. Their social media is linked on the blog. And all of the pop culture uh, that you listen to in this episode is also linked on the blog. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms. And you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiahsvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.